So uh, today is a topic of dana, generosity, and working with it in our daily life and our daily practice. Um, as I was saying, and probably can't say enough, it's one of the fundamental foundations of having a spiritual practice. And so um, it's important to look at generosity both in terms of the generosity that we already have in our lives and um, beginning to reflect on what's already present because there can be an awful lot present that we miss. And then um, beginning to look at ways to develop and cultivate further extending generosity throughout more of our life. One of the um, one of the Sri Lankan traditions, which I find really lovely, is um, the idea of keeping a good karma book. It's a notebook, and uh, it, it it for some families they they start from when um, uh, the children are young. And they make a notation of the various different things that a person has done that has been acts of generosity, acts of kindness. And they record what they've done and the time that they've done it. And they do it very deliberately so that um, when they're not feeling well or when they're sick or when they're depressed or particularly when one approaches death, there's a book and one reads through throughout the entire span of one's life the acts of generosity, the times of giving alms, the times of helping people, the times of sacrificing one's own needs for other people's needs. And so that one is just reading accounts of what one has done throughout one's life as a way of mirroring for oneself or reminding oneself a vast amount of generosity and kindness that one has, has lived one's life with. And when you contemplate that way, usually what happens is the mind brightens and there's a sense of ease and well-being. And when you're ill or when you're depressed or particularly during the time very close to approaching death, it's a wholesome um, reflection, reflecting on one's own goodness. Now, in our culture, we have all kinds of um, funny ideas and some people think the idea of reflecting on one's own goodness is something like, um, you know, perpetually patting oneself on the shoulder, you know? It's a kind of arrogant, um, self-indulgent, um, somehow socially unacceptable thing to do. <laughs> but reflecting on one's own goodness is not um, uh, bringing about a sense of false pride. It's about recounting the acts that one has done, the sacrifices that one has made, not in order to inflate one's sense of ego, but in order to um, reflect on the, the goodness that's actually present. So inflation and, in, and reflection are different. One props something up and makes it bigger than it actually is, and one looks at it and sees that it's actually there. Now, for many people, you know, if we handed people a piece of paper and we asked you to write down your faults or your shortcomings or 
your limitations. You know, we'd have pages. We'd have a novel in 15 minutes. You know, lists and lists and lists of, of all the things that we, we are not good at, we're insufficient at, that we need more development work, we need more, uh, you know, and we'd have pages of it. But if we gave you out the same pieces of paper and said, contemplate your things that are your good qualities, you know, it's a different story. It's like, you know, the mind stops. There aren't any. <laughs> or then we go into the positive affirmation thing, which is not the same, you know, the things that I wish I had or the things that I would hope that I would have. But it's not that we, ha- we don't have a healthy relationship with actually contemplating our own goodness, you know. It's either um, understated or overrated. It's not just like that, you know. So, you know, having something like a good karma book might be a practice that is of interest to you, you know, that you actually make a notebook and consider the things that you've done in your life in the past that have been of uh, generosity. And again, it's not the million-dollar donation thing. It's like something where you really stopped and took time and paid attention and attended to somebody else's needs instead of your own, you know? And, and in a way that had some kind of... It's just something that you did, and you did it without any ulterior motive, you know, not for any kind of personal gain. Now, um, developing that theme and taking it at another level... Um, there's a monk in Chitters in England and you know his father died in a very tragic way his father committed suicide and he was the first person to find him and you can imagine you know walking in and a violent death like that that was self-imposed and the kind of shock that would just completely um, be embedded in your body and you know, every time he would think of his father, um, his, it would reactivate a shock, a trauma response. And so, at some point, he realized that his, his, his mental mechanism around memory was wired up with trauma. So he decided that what he was going to do was deliberately think of things that he could do that were kind for other people. And living in a monastery in a community of people, it's endless, you know, the things that you can do. As I imagine living in a family with a large number of people in the family, it's endless, the number of things that one can do. You know, so wash socks, make a cup of tea when a person comes home, bring the laundry in from the line so that when the rain comes, it doesn't get wet. You know, um, it's just endless. Take a post that somebody's put a stamp on and put it in the mailbox. You know, just make sure that they are attended to. And so what this monk did was he would deliberately, deliberately conspire to do acts of kindness. And he would somehow set it up so that when the person saw the act, he was around to see the expression on their face. You know, So somehow he organized it so that he could be there and be around when it was discovered that a person had deliberately done something kind for them. And at the moment of watching the face light up, you know, with that sense of, wow, you know, it's like, you know, the sense of life isn't a struggle. I don't have to do it all myself. Or the fact that there is kindness in this world. 
he would in his mind he'd say that's for you dad so he would he would he would deliberately transfer the merit of the joy of seeing somebody else's happiness as a result of what he had done to his father and it wasn't very long of doing this where instead of his father became a trauma response his father became associated with the joy of seeing other people's happiness now that's an extreme example okay but we can scale it into our own specific life situation where we can consider you know what are ways that we can deliberately do things that are kind for other people and just and see the joy that comes from another person's recognition that something has been done that's kind for them. And allow the, the, the kind of the pleasure that comes from watching another person's uh, joy also be something that nourishes ourselves. So, in any of these qualities, there's two sides to them, and these two sides in some ways are conflicting, because one side is to see and to notice and to recognize and to appreciate what's already there. And the other side is to see ways that we can develop more. Okay? To see, and then when we see ways that we can develop more, oftentimes what we are confronted with is our patterns of stinginess or grudge holding or um, unwillingness to give or um, the kind of sense of it's not enough, it's not enough, I'm not going to be okay if I don't have it. You know, the fear, panic, the, the emotional responses around it which are actually quite a bit more difficult. And what's important and the reason why generosity is the first foundation is because it connects us to our goodness. We need to have a certain amount of goodness in order to practice because without that goodness, we don't have the capacity to manage the, uh, the, the territory that arises when we actually look a little bit deeper. Okay? So the looking deeper is never to undermine the goodness that's actually present, but actually to allow it to become more significant. All right. So as we're looking deeper and we begin to open up a little bit the can of worms or Pandora's box or the grudge holding of the stinginess or the fear or the, you know, I got to have it, you know, <coughs> you know, you know, if I don't give it away, it's, you know, something terrible is going to happen kind of feeling. What's really important is that we are able to stay connected with the goodness that we already know as we explore this that we don't revert back into the old patterns of I'm bad, I'm terrible, I can't practice, you know, I'm useless, and all of the same kind of things that happen. And if that is happening, then we need to step back a little bit and then recontemplate the goodness that's already there. Okay? So even something like with working with goodness, we need to moderate what we're doing according to what our reaction is to what's arising. If we can see the fear, the anxiety, the contraction, and watch it as an arising mind state, 
then we have sufficient ground to continue in the process of seeing, well, these are habits and patterns of ways of looking at things and looking at stuff and looking at ways of relating to people that aren't particularly useful any longer. And can I tolerate that exploration? Or am I tolerating that exploration? And again, it requires honesty. So we don't smear it over with I'm supposed to be good and I'm supposed to this and I'm supposed to that, you know. And, and then avoid the reality of what's actually happening internally. Because this is not, this is not a, um, a forced march to nirvana, you know. It's, it's actually a, a sensitive and responsive inquiry that requires being present with what is, you know. And there are times when we have very strong contractions and our patterns around that is not to relax but to go into the same self-doubting mechanisms. And that needs to be woken up to and seen for what it is and then step back, reshift one's attention to the goodness that one already knows is present. Okay? And then stay there for a while until one has more ground and then can reinvestigate ways that one can consider what can we give or what are our habits that are uh, restricting our generosity. Now, generosity is often thought about in terms of things, and so it's not unskillful to think about things that we can give, you know, and also the stuff, you know, uh, so we can think about that. But we can also think about, you know, ways that we can pay attention or ways that we can just stop and give somebody our time, or ways that we can give a a gesture of kindness, you know? So it's not only about material things, it's also about our whole relationship with giving anything, you know? It's the act of giving anything that's really questioned. So, in a day, there's interactions with people, millions of them, and there's information and all kinds of it. And so just watch what happens. You know, just check and see, you know, are you able to stay connected to your own goodness? What does that look like and how does that feel? And when you are able to discern patterns that interfere with the natural flow of generosity, how is it for you to wake up to those patterns? And what does that look like? What does that feel like? And how are you responding to it? Okay? And so, when we get into those places where our old habits of self-doubt, self-criticism, self-blame, shaming is going on, then we need to have resources to pull back and reconnect with ground that we already have established. And consider for yourself what they are. What helps you change track? Because that is essential. That's absolutely essential. When those old habit patterns are running, to stop them, to change track. And so, in addition to learning to focus on one's own goodness, to being able to see the things which are limiting us from being generous, is to begin to focus on what are those resources that we have that can change track from when our old habits are happening into something which is wholesome. Okay? So, that's the theme for today. And so this evening time, we will have a period of, of um, standing meditation, and sitting meditation, and then a group interview. 
and I'd like to hear a report specifically on this topic of how did it go? What happened? What was your internal experience and how were you relating to it? And uh, we'll just see how it is. All right? <laughs>